Hi, I'm David Freudberg, the host of Humankind. People sometimes ask about the big picture of our work. Why do we present these programs? The answer is we're trying to cultivate a more cohesive sense of community. And our vision of community is based on personal ideals and values, such as compassion, generosity, equality, and civility. We aim to serve the large and growing audience of people who seek a positive alternative to media negativity and exploitation. And we strive to shed light on solutions, not just problems. If you resonate with this vision, you can support us at humanmedia.org and click How You Can Help at the top of our homepage. Thank you. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund and a grant from the Henry Luce Foundation. I have done a lot of things in my life that didn't seem to make a whole lot of difference, but this just feels really different to me. I feel empowered by the strengths of the moms and the grandmothers who are around me. I feel empowered powered by the love that I have for my children and my grandchildren, and I feel like I cannot be lying on my deathbed saying I didn't do absolutely everything I could possibly do. The concerned women of Mothers Out Front determined to safeguard their children from the ravages of climate change. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Climate change poses an enormous and complicated threat which at times can feel a bit abstract. But in recent years, the record heat, related droughts, ferocious storms, and other weather extremes have begun to touch many lives intimately. And scientists are nearly unanimous that pollution from the way humans use and waste energy is the driving force. Most troubling, the effects of this pattern, if unchecked, are projected to worsen sharply over time. And that seizes the attention of a growing movement of mothers. Well, we actually started with a group of seven mothers sitting around together in a living room, and everyone was worried about their children's future. And so it was through their connections and their friends that they started to have house parties. And so you can imagine when one friend talks to another friend, who talks to another friend, who talks to another friend, all of a sudden we have house parties happening all over the town and in other towns close to us. And in fact, now we've moved all the way across the state of Massachusetts through our house party model. They call themselves Mothers Out Front, an emerging national movement of mothers, grandmothers, and others who care for children. They feel the climate crisis presents a real and present danger that warrants decisive action to slow global warming emissions. They are dismayed that current policies don't reflect the urgency of what these mothers regard as an absolute catastrophe in the making. Their strategy? Throw house parties to bring people together. I attended a recent gathering of mothers out front in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and spoke with Debbie. It's about building relationships, and those happen between individuals and in small groups, especially with mothers. It's a way to get people out of their houses, away from their work situations, to sit down in someone's living room in a familiar, comfortable environment and talk about 
their worries and their concerns and then to move from there to what is making us hopeful and what we can actually do. So the house party is about engaging new people, not just talking about our fears and worries for our children, but it's about having people leave not only with ideas for what they can do, but then being followed up with by a volunteer and engaged in the work of our team, our local teams. So in that sense, do house parties give hope? Absolutely. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Uh, but tonight is about hope for me, too. Yesterday, when we were talking about strategy for five hours, it was about hope. Today, when I was at Boston City Hall, listening to people give public testimony about the gas leaks, not just in Boston, but in Massachusetts and beyond, that's also about hope because it's about moms speaking up for their children and introducing this whole new narrative into the public discourse about what's important, why we need to do this now and quickly. And you have children? I do. My daughter Ellie is 19 and my other daughter Sarah is 22. I can hardly believe it, but it's true. How concerned are you about the impact of the climate crisis on them? Uh, I'm absolutely concerned. I'm concerned about what it's doing right now for their health, for their future, for their feelings about having children themselves and about bringing up their own families in a world that's in crisis that's unsafe and unhealthy. So I'm extremely concerned. This concerns me more than anything else for them and for all children. Scientists point to the greenhouse gases that are massively emitted when we burn oil, coal, gas, and wood for heat and for electricity. These gases trap heat in the atmosphere, and that sets in motion a cascade of climate effects, from scorching summers to warming ocean temperatures that can breed merciless hurricanes and other storms. Mothers Out Front views the solution as coming from both individuals changing how we consume energy and from government policies to curb greenhouse gas pollution. My name is Jerry Hamlin. I have recently moved to Boston from the suburbs, happily gotten out of my car and the traffic. I am a painter. I am a grandmother representing a very dynamic group of grandmothers with Mothers Out Front. And I have four grandchildren, ages nine, eight, five, and 10 months. My name is Gayatri Adavali, and um, I live in Bedford, Massachusetts, so still in the suburbs. Um, and I. Uh, I'm an engineer, I'm an electrical engineer uh, by day, and uh, I have two kids. They are seven and four, so they're pretty young. Uh, I joined Mothers Out Front when we started the group in Bedford. I'm Sue Stafford, and I'm a retired professor of philosophy at Simmons College, and I've been with Mothers Out Front for a good two and a half years now. I'm part of the Cambridge organizing team, and I'm also part of the coaching and training team for Mothers Out Front. I have two sons, age 39 and 42, and one gorgeous, funny, wonderful granddaughter who turned two last week. So my name is Beth, and I have two very energetic boys, Asher and Berwin, who are seven and five. I've been involved with Mothers Out Front for the last two and a half years. And before I had children, I was a Waldorf High School humanities teacher, um, the one here in town and, um, and before that in Denver.
Mothers Out Front began in 2013 when Kelsey Wirth, the daughter of former U.S. Senator Tim Wirth from Colorado, had a bedtime conversation with her own daughter. They discussed how rising sea temperatures threaten coral reefs, an important habitat for wildlife. From this arose the idea that concerned mothers deserve a voice in the climate change debate. Jerry Hamlin. I think one of the most important things that we start in a house party is we start the discussion about a subject that is incredibly difficult for the average person to understand, including ourselves. And we have worked hard to understand it well enough ourselves that we can then distribute the information and help other people who are interested understand and also empower them to do something. My house party, I had a lot of grandmothers who had been in conservation movements, et cetera, for a long time. Um, And nothing had really happened other than we've saved a lot of land. But with Mothers Out Front, we have very concrete actions at the personal level, change your electricity in your house, at the community level, um, have an effect on your local energy use for your community, and then at the state level. So people are feeling like, wow, I really can do something. I don't have to avoid this altogether. And when you said a moment ago that this subject can be hard for people to grasp, even educated, bright people who have an interest in it, what is it about the problem and challenge of climate change that is hard to understand? Partly, I think it's because everything is so interconnected. It's an environmental issue, it's a scientific issue, it's a community issue, it's an ethical issue. Um, And when you start talking about parts per million and kilowatt hours, and people's eyes just glaze over. But when you can say, we're mothers, our children are in danger, their health is in danger, and here's something that you can help us do, it makes a difference. And we had to learn things that we didn't know anything about. And I started with Beth that first summer, and Kelsey called and said, would you do a little research? And I thought, well, I'm a good little schoolgirl. I'll try some research. And within minutes, I was so far over my head, I, I said, wow, I can't do this. It's too hard to understand. So. I called Beth. Beth, we work in teams. I mean, that is the brilliant thing about Mothers Out Front. We work in teams. So you're not there alone. Beth says, well, you know, I don't really get it either, but this is what I have so far. And so I said, great. And she was better at calling people. I was better at maybe getting things on paper. And we got this report done somehow. I don't find the science of it as overwhelming as... um, being able to take action about Is that it. because you're an electrical engineer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe it's because I haven't looked into it as hard as, <laughs> as I should have. <laughs> but uh, I think this, I can understand at least that, that this is happening, right? But to be able to do something about it, I think, is a larger challenge. And I, as an individual, have been doing actions but it felt very inadequate. What had you been doing as an individual? I uh, had been trying to 
For example, use my car less. I'd been trying to, um, just environmental issues in general, I'd say, right? I'd been trying to reduce my the waste that we had, reduce um, the footprint of a house that we might choose, uh, to try to look into how we could convert uh, our home energy to something that was more renewable. But it was very personal, um, trying to get clothes that were hand-me-downs for the kids or, you know, just these small actions. And those are, those have value, right? They, but it felt overwhelming because it felt like, especially as a mom, I think, we're busy and it's hard to get involved in a national movement. But I think something that is in the community is much more accessible and it feels like you can actually make a difference. If we can make a difference in Bedford, that's an entire community. Uh, it's a small town. It's outside of um, Boston. It's to the northwest of Boston. Um, we are, I think, a little bit smaller than the surrounding towns. We're surrounded by Lexington, Concord. It's a kind of area where revolutions arise. <laughs> we do have a history of that. <laughs> but um, it's a great community. It's, uh, they have a lot of activity. It's small enough that you feel like you can make a difference in it. Uh, but it's, I think there's a lot of people who are educated about these issues there. Uh, we, for example, we don't have a representative town government. So when we make a ch- need to make a change in Bedford, we really have to get the people to a town meeting. Um, and that's a very nice feeling, actually. And do you find that in the town meeting that convenes in Bedford that there is a grassroots enthusiasm for efforts to combat climate change? There is, um, in fact. Uh, there is an energy task force that's been working on this. There's um, a transition town organization, and they have been working on getting Bedford uh, to get pricing on solar, like group pricing on solar. It really does lend itself to local grassroots activity. Clearly, there are international efforts and there is national policy and corporate regulation concerns, but also things can really happen in the local communities. And in fact, all over the country, mayors have been the most supportive office holders to engage in the climate issue. talking with Mothers Out Front, an emerging citizens movement that brings people together around the challenge of climate change. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. For more information on this theme and to obtain an audio download or CD of our segment on Mothers Out Front, please visit humanmedia.org. Some greenhouse gases once released into the atmosphere remain there for centuries. That implies that they're now baked into our climate system for the foreseeable future. So regrettably, some of the disruption and harmful effects on people may be unstoppable. And these scenarios range from food shortages to public health crises to emergency management in the wake of natural disasters. But scientists say there remains a window, although a rapidly narrowing one, in which the problem can be meaningfully curtailed. 
The question is whether our society will choose to cut back its emissions in time. Here's Beth Adams along with other mothers out front. I actually had an experience with um, one of my children a few years ago when I was tucking him into bed one night, and he said out of the blue to me, Mommy, what's going to happen to me when you die? Who's going to take care of me? And I tucked him into bed, and I said, Honey, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. I promise. And in those quiet moments when he fell asleep, I thought about his future, as all parents do. I thought about floods, droughts, superstorms, refugees, and that we are well beyond any conditions that humanity has ever faced. I was very angry, and I was ready for action, but I felt powerless. And I know that a lot of other parents also feel this way. And it was just a few months later that I found mothers out front. Jerry? As a grandmother, um, I feel that my time is running out to make a difference. And time is running out for the world as well. And I have a grandson, Nathaniel, aged eight. And our favorite thing to do, we happily spend our summers on an island off the coast of Maine. And our favorite thing to do when we wake up, he wakes up very early, and we go down the stairs to the beach, and we go to discover the intertidal zone, and it's a very magical place. Um, we look for starfish, we look for periwinkles, we look for mussels and sea urchins. And the sun is barely rising, and he flips over another rock, and there's a brittle star that I had never seen before, and it's just the thing that we do, and it's very precious to me. Well, three years ago, there were suddenly, there were no more mussels. There had been masses of them growing on the rocks. Two years ago, fewer and fewer sea urchins that grow in the cracks in the rocks. This past summer, Hardly any seagulls, because there's nothing for them to eat. You can't imagine how quiet, how eerily quiet it was this summer without any screeching seagulls. So when that little hand goes in mine, and Nathaniel is trusting me that his world is going to be okay, and I don't know what to tell him. You know, I think I've been kind of interested in environmental issues since I was maybe in middle school, high school. So the interest itself originated, I think, early. Um, it's something that I feel like I've always tried to stay educated about. Like I said, with my personal choices, I think I've tried to make choices that I feel are, um, are going to help. Uh, I feel like uh, becoming involved in an active organization, um, and specifically Mothers Out Front, as a mother, now that my children are old enough to ask some of these questions and to, to wonder about you know, what is happening in the world, I felt like it was helpful for me to, sh to be able to show them that they, that they can take action. Um, not just personal action, but that they can get involved in a community of people um, and make, make a difference. 
And I think being able to convey that message to my children um, was important to me. Um, I, I guess sometimes I feel like what I have been is a little more passive. Um, and I feel like I would love for them to be active. And in order for them to be active contributors and to recognize um, that they can make a difference in the world, I feel like I need to set that example. And I think that this organization has been a way for me to do that because it's something that is close to my heart and has always been. It's something that is um, that brings people together um, and sort of operates at the level of what we have in common, which I think is a really good place from which we can make change. Um, and uh, it's local. It feels local enough that I can wrap my mind around it. Because its effects are projected to be so sweeping, the climate change challenge can feel like an existential threat to humanity as we know it. Which brings to mind Margaret Mead's famous observation, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Well, it certainly is daunting. Um, however, I, I really do have so much more hope now that I have come together with all of these women in Mothers Out Front. And I think that this something special that we have is that you know, we are all naturally inclined to be concerned about our children's future. And so that's really what drives us to action, is our love. And our movement is growing every day, and it's through the conversations that we have on playgrounds. It's through the conversations that we have in our children's schools. Um, it's, you know, someone who we pass on the street. We're all concerned about their future, and we want the best for them. I want my boys to inherit a very healthy, safe, verdant world like the one that I grew up in. I think a lot of people are aware of climate change but don't know what to do about it. I think we live a certain lifestyle in the United States. Um, I think especially as the daughter of immigrants and going back to India, like I can see the, the difference in lifestyle from place to place. Um, and I think what's hard for people is to connect how we live with what's happening in the world. And sometimes it's a little scary because it feels like we would need we need to change our lifestyle. I think sometimes the message that comes across is that uh, we would need to really drastically alter our lifestyle in order to to make change. And that message, I think, is overwhelming. Um, Do you feel it's valid, though? I think it's somewhat valid, but I also think that there is plenty that we can do with our current, maintaining our current lifestyle that would make a big change. So, for example, getting away from fossil fuels to heat our homes, uh, our schools, our businesses. We have other options available to us, and it's not like we're asking everybody to, you know, shut down and, you know, live by candlelight, right? Um, that we could achieve that, and that's a huge change. I think it's important to say that Mothers Out Front is not interested in some kind of feel-good um, activity. We are really looking to move the needle, 
and we are studying a lot of different ways as to how we can do that. But we're not interested in just, okay, if you recycle your trash, that's all you have to do. We are really looking to make a measurable difference. A cello performance by Judith Glickson. She's a Mothers Out Front member from Lexington, Massachusetts, who attended the recent gathering. And I had basically just gotten to a point where I said, I can't stand by any longer and watch this happen. Um, and, you know, I had a young child, and so it was hard to do much. But then I decided I really have got to do something. And uh, the day that I made that decision, um, my cello student said to me, would you like to come to a Mother's Out Front house party? And I said, what is it? And she said, it's uh, you know, spreading the word about climate change and what people can do. And I said, yep, I'll be there. Just tell me the date. <laughs> and uh, you know, since then, I've hosted five or six house parties. I've become a facilitator. I moved here from Chicago about a year and a half ago. Mother's Out Front member Julie Warnke. You know, maybe a few months before I moved to um, this area, I read an article about climate change that just really shook me. Like, it caused me to realize the immediacy. And I have a four-and-a-half-year-old, and at the time he was not yet three. And I um, was just really overwhelmed by what he is going to be facing or what I feared that he might be facing. And so one day I was just, you know, we were playing, we were going to get a snack, and these thoughts of what his future might look like just kept going through my head. And, and can I ask you to specify what some of those scenarios oh, sure. yeah, are no, for I you? Mean, I imagined him in really terrible storms trying to find safe shelter. I imagined him in a world that water wasn't um, abundant and clean. I imagined him in a world that was um, full of aggressive um, confrontations and hostility and war, and him having to become part of that and having to be displaced. I mean, I imagined kind of the worst case scenarios. And um, I, ha I thought, you know, I have to do something. I can't, I can't, I have to do something. Advocates for action on climate change believe that significant reforms are needed at the level of governmental policy about the environment. But there are many steps that individuals can take to reduce their greenhouse gas footprint. These include conserving energy, which helps not only the planet but the pocketbook, taking public transit rather than the car once or twice a month, cutting intake of meat products, which require a high level of greenhouse gases to produce, and generally wasting less stuff. Sue Stafford. I think mothers deep down inside feel a moral imperative in this area. And I think we actually learned it from our kids. If you think about, um, at least in my house, when, when there were cookies to be doled out, you had to dole out the exact same number to each child, or it's not fair, and they're right. So there's a sense of fairness here, and, and there, the sense of fairness is at the, the foundation of our whole sense of morality in this country, I think. And so when you take that to climate change, it's a short hop to start looking at the ability of the Earth to absorb carbon. And the fact is that developed nations 
are responsible for 76% of the CO2 that's in the atmosphere. Carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide. Um, way beyond our share, and the Earth can't absorb it all. So, so it's, it's a pretty obvious thing for moms to, to understand that's not fair. And we do know what to do about it. We know how to conserve. We know how to build solar panels. We know how to build wind turbines. We, we have all of this. And I, I think ahead to the day when my little granddaughter says to me, Grammy, you knew, why didn't you do anything? You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Alan Mattis. Editorial assistance from Ken Rogers, Kathy Graham, Mark Kilstein, and Bond Collard. Webmaster Brian K. Johnson. Special thanks to Tony Buck. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with Connie Goldman Productions. Program development provided by Shart Media. You can hear more episodes of our series at humankindpodcast.org. That's humankindpodcast.org. This segment, Mothers Out Front, is Humankind Program number 234. The executive producer is David Freudberg. Please subscribe to our free weekly podcast. The title is Humankind on Public Radio. You can find it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, NPR One, and all major podcast services, as well as through our website. Again, the podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you'd like to support our program, please visit humankindpodcast.org. And at the top, click on How You Can Help. Thank you.